0: Listening to the Amateur Church Podcast, where we pursue excellence in ministry with the right motivation for the sake of love. I'm Pastor Matt, and I'm so thankful that you are on this disciples' journey as this week we begin the book of Ezekiel. The Ezekiel has been described as one of the most powerful prophetic books in all of the Bible. We see so much about who God is and who we are in relationship to Him. And I want to remind you that as we are walking through Ezekiel, this podcast is a call for anyone who is tired of church being a programmed organization. I want to be an amateur, at least in the sense that how I lead, preach, and serve is based on love. I want my love for Jesus Christ and my love for you and others to be my motivation. In fact, As we look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel could be described as an amateur, one who loved God and loved his own people enough to tell them what God had to say. So let's jump into the book of Ezekiel today in our podcast to bring out, uh, to, to begin this week, we want to bring out the idea of theology. What can we learn about God? What can we learn about our relationship to God? And Ezekiel means God strengthens or God helps. That's what his name means. But the book, uh, the date of the book, the setting takes place, uh, uh, the first date mentioned is 592 B.C. And so the last date mentioned is 570 B.C. Therefore, Ezekiel's ministry during this time uh, was 22 years during the captivity of Israel in Babylon. And uh, this being a prophetic book In the midst of their captivity, reminded them that they should still trust in God, that they were in captivity because of their own consequences, their own sin, but God was still on his throne and he desired them to trust him. So, what are the themes of the book of Ezekiel? I want to give you four major themes to watch for over this week. And the first is the reality of God's sovereignty. You hear me say that almost every single week because it is the truth. God is overall. Consider for a moment that if you were the Israelites and God had allowed a foreign nation to come in and grab you and take you out of your country, your land, and go into captivity in a Pagan nation, you might think, "Wow, God is either not strong enough to to deal with the other pagan gods or foreign nations, or God doesn't care about me." And we must remember the reality of God's sovereignty. Chapter one, in fact, from verses four through twenty-eight, uh, Ezekiel receives a vision of God. He 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 is able to see all sorts of things, especially this, uh, th- this idea of, uh, a, it- in fact, let's go to it, verse 4, with this idea of uh, different symbols that represent God himself. Verse 4 says, as I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually, and a bright light around it, and in the midst something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. And within it, there were figures re- resembling four living beings. Now, he's going to describe the four living beings, but jump down with me verse 15 and now as I looked at the living beings, behold there was one wheel on the earth besides the living beside the living beings. the appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was sparkling and all four of them had the same form. their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another and whenever they moved they moved in any of their four directions without turnings turning as they moved. And then look at verse 22. It says, now over the heads of the living beings, there was something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal spread out over their heads. And so uh, in verse 28, as the uh, uh, verse 27, then I noticed from the appearance of the man and upward, something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within him. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire and there was a radiance around him. And the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. What you notice in this passage is really the omnipresence of God. God came to meet his people and show his presence. We see the omnipotence of God, that the vision emphasized his power and strength. But we also see the omniscience of God, that he knows all things and sees all things, especially with these this will and the eyes in the will show the awareness of God. So, Beginning in Ezekiel chapter 1, we're going to see uh, a vision of who God is and His glory. And I want you to hold on to that because that should always be where we go. But then when you continue on, you see in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11, the removal of of God's glory. So look at chapter 8 with me. It says uh, from verses 1 through 16, it describes this uh, uh, idolatry. And look at verse 1. It came about in the sixth year on the fifth day of the sixth month as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me that the hand of the Lord God fell on me there. Verse 3. He stretched out the form of a hand, caught me by a lock of my hair. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. The verse 4 is very important. Pay attention. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, like the appearance which I saw in the plan. And he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes now toward the north. It, So I raised my eyes towards the north, and behold, to the north of the altar gate was the idol of jealousy at the entrance. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing, the great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here, so that I would be far from my sanctuary? Look down to verse 10. I entered and looked, and behold, every form of creeping thing and beast and detestable things, with all the idols of the house of Israel, were carved on the wall all around. And so he... He cries out in this, verse 18, Therefore I indeed will deal in wrath. My eye will have no pity, nor will I spare. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not listen to them. Look at chapter 9, verse 3. Then the glory of the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen at whose loins was right was the writing case. And then look at chapter 10, verse 4. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple, and the temple was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. Skip down to verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. Now jump down with me to verse 11, verse eleven, or chapter 11, verse 22 says, Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain which is east of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles in Chaldea. So the vision that I had seen left me. Then I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. So, In chapter 1 through 11, we see this narrative of God's vision to Ezekiel depicting the removal of God's glory. This is a heavy passage, a harsh statement that because of the sin of mankind in the midst of God's goodness to them, he was removing his glory. And from chapter 12 all the way to chapter thirty. 5 and 36, you see a reminder that God was serious about sin and he was removing his glory and they were in captivity. So this takes place while they're in captivity, but it it explains why they went into captivity. But I also want to show you the hope in this passage. In this book, we see not only the reality of God's sovereignty, the removal of God's glory, but the restoration of God's people go with me to chapter 37 and and see look at verse 1 the hand of the lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones verse 7 so i prophesied as i was commanded and as i prophesied there was a noise and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bones and i looked and behold sinews were on them and flesh grew and skin covered them but there was no breath in them then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God Come from the four winds, O breath And breathe on these slain That they come to life So I prophesied as he commanded me And the breath came in them And they came to life And stood on their feet An exceedingly great army There is in the midst of death Restoration It begins with despair But builds hope in the people of God And notice that God emphasizes His breath or the spirit as life No man, no woman And no church can experience life until they have the Spirit of God within them. This is a beautiful passage of restoration and it's based on the new covenant in Ezekiel 36 one chapter before listen to verse 26 moreover I will give you a new heart put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes you will be careful to observe my ordinances we see the restoration of God's people but how can this happen that there was a promise of Jesus Jesus Christ the Messiah think about it our God in the midst of our rebellion chose to send his own son to save us from captivity yes they experienced captivity in Babylon, but we have experienced captivity of our sin, bondage to, to, to death and hell and the grave, and yet Jesus would come as that promised Messiah to bring a new covenant. Oh, Ezekiel points us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for every believer, that gospel brings hope. So remember, the death, burial, and resurrection in of Jesus Christ is our salvation, and Ezekiel points us to that, ultimately to a great heritage, inheritance that we get to experience in heaven one day. And ultimately, finally in Ezekiel, we see the redemption of his people, a final place of eternal life. For in chapter 47 and 48, we see a river of life, We see the land of the redeemed, and we ultimately see the city of God. And this points us all the way to Revelation chapter 22, a picture of life on the new heaven and new earth. So Ezekiel, while there is sadness and tragedy in the midst of captivity, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see a promise of redemption and glory. And this is what it's all about, the glory of God as he uh, as as he was, uh, his presence was removed from the people as they went to captivity. He's reminding them, "I have taken you away from your land. I've taken you away from your temple. I've taken you away from the 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 uh, elements and the houses that you had. I am all that you need." And God would restore them and say, "If you'll trust in my power, my strength, my spirit, you'll have everything that you need." And this is the truth for us today. Remove everything from our lives, but if we still have God, we have all that we need. But if you remove God from our lives and we have everything else, we are still left void and empty. God is our Savior. God is our great King and mighty Lord, and my prayer is that you would trust in Him. So as you read the book of Ezekiel this week, may it bring you a a conviction to walk with God, a comfort that He is with you and He never leaves you nor forsake you, and a courage to share with the world that Jesus saves. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stakes in the ground.